Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> I'm, so I'm just like, I like hey Mickey Mouse. Hey guys. Like we have the same tone of voice, like inflection and everything. Good morning, everyone. Happy Christmas. Wednesday. <laughs> Christmas. I'm already delusional. Wednesday. I don't know what you're going to say. Happy, yeah, Wednesday. It'll be. Hump day. I think it'll be Friday or Saturday when this is up. Yeah, true. So happy weekend. Yeah. Happy weekend. And we're going to the Renaissance hey. Festival this weekend. We're going to the Ren Fair. The Ren Fair. Tell them what you're going to be, Tony. Um, a little jester. My hat came in the mail. Oh, and I got Show I got me. I got the little like like <laughs> like clown a collar. Yeah, a collar yeah. collar. Yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> I forgot and it like comes with little wrist ones. <laughs> Did you get shoes too? No, I didn't get shoes. You need some for But it gets kind of dusty. Shoes. It gets kind of dusty True. there. I love the Ren Fair. Anyways, so what are we talking about today? New wave bands. Mm. All right. Do you want to start? Do you want to yes. Mine is mine is long. I know. Mine I is. Know it. I really. This was an undertaking. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. You're a great this sir. is. It, we're talking about music. I'm going in. I'm going That's all in. You know what? This is classic. Go Tony big behavior. or go home. Yeah. <laughs> classic Tony behavior. <laughs> but so, yeah, start it off. First yeah. of all, okay. Let's talk about a little background about new wave. New wave. If you don't know what it is, <laughs> it's a genre that emerged in the late '70s and early '80s as a subset of rock. Um, originally, it was given to bands emerging in the underground rock scene in the UK. It's considered a lighter, more melodic version of punk rock that usually includes the use of synthesizers. Yeah. And then later in the 80s, it kind of became like an umbrella term for popular music styles of the era. Yeah. Like power punk, synth pop, alternative dance. And it's just seen as more like a more accessible counterpart of post-punk. Yeah. Um, influenced by artists like the Velvet Underground. I was like, yeah. When I think about the Velvet Underground, here's the thing. They inspired, like, so everything rock adjacent, punk adjacent after them, they've inspired. Like, I'll I'll be listening to something, and I'm like, you can just tell, like, that they had influence on it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and every, like, popular band, like, they will reference Velvet Underground as, like, an influence. And they're amazing. One of my favorite bands ever. They're the best. So true. Anyways. Anyways, Yeah, other influences besides Velvet Underground. Roxy Music. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I love more than this. Yes. Okay. Did we listen to that in the car? I've been I've been playing that like all like for the past four months. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've been on that song. so good. David Bowie, Bowie for sure. Iggy Pop and Brian Eno. Eno. Oh, Eno. I wrote Echo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely Brian Eno. Well, all the synthesizers and like electronic music, like yeah, yeah, definitely. But and then also MTV heavily promoted New Wave, and some of the most well known New Wave bands include, but aren't limited to, because there's so many, so many Talking Heads, Blondie, Duran Duran, Depeche Mode. Billy Idol, Devo, and New Order. Yeah, but I would just say it's like anything that is like alternative or punk adjacent that isn't like uh, wasn't at like the top of the charts in like the eighties, like Madonna or like Michael Jackson or like mm-hmm. Phil Collins or something. It, but yeah, the the first new wave song to top the charts charts Church. was Gary Newman's Cars in nineteen eighty. Yeah, that's very new wave. And uh, another characteristic. Uh, very visually striking music videos mm-hmm. just the 80s in general really yeah uh you know the big hair the heavy makeup and lots of one hit wonders that's true yeah but still lots of great bands and artists yeah. as well yeah such as tears for fears yeah tears for fears yes! i love tears for fears Me so too. much i feel like they also get a little under represented a little bit yeah They're still especially huge. when you talk about new wave because i think with new wave it's hard because like i said it's like so many different genres are also f- like influencing it. You have like punk, post punk, goth, yeah. synth, 
pop and all this stuff and then it's like they just yeah that's like an umbrella term like okay it's all new wave because we don't know what right. we're gonna call this we don't really there's not like a big scene happening so we're gonna call it new wave but yeah. it's like tears for fears definitely fit in that realm of like with like duran duran where it's like yeah. oh this is very like pop influenced but definitely they still yeah are just kind of doing cool all the synth and that kind of so stuff so much yeah <laughs> okay so let's get into the bandmates yay we got kurt smith he was born on june 24th 1961 in bath england they're British. They're British as Okay, hell. here's the thing. I feel like every band I've talked, I always shit on British people. <laughs> you you really- Hey, hey. You go <laughs> off on Brits. Like every episode we talk about a British person, you're like, British people are so fucking annoying. But I said that and I was like, I was literally thinking this the other day as I was like doing my research and I was like, but most of my favorite bands are British bands. Exactly. <laughs> and they were like hugely influential They know on how music. to make like, music. Okay. That's the truth. Yeah, so True. I'm sorry. Brits. But it's a thing. Public it's apology. it's mostly like when I'm watching TV and there's British people on TV. They're really fucking annoying. Okay, fair enough. They sure. are. But like then I watch a, you know, interview with Robert Smith and I don't understand half of what he's saying, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's cool and you know, whatever. So yeah. you have to respect I meet them. a British person, I'm like, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. It's just I don't know. Something I, about I, how they like how they do their like, I don't know, media, like I don't know. Love Island, their voices really start to piss me off. That I'll really say pisses that. me off. Yeah. I, I can't watch a full season of Love Island. Even if I'm if watching like Sherlock or something that's like a BBC <gasps> show, like they just start I love to get Sherlock. Off. I know, but they they it's like so animated. Like their accents are like over the top. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm sure, just like sure, yeah. Okay, we don't need to be talking okay, about okay, this. Okay, I'm just saying on. the British <laughs> British bands respect. Like I respect. literally talked about the clash already on here. So we know. We know, we know. Okay. So that Kurt Smith, we also got Roland Orzabel. He was born on August twenty second, nineteen sixty one, in Portsmouth, Hampshire, and he Ooh. later moved to Bath with his family. Both had reportedly pretty poor, unhappy childhoods, and this oh. would go on to inspire their subject matter. Yes. So the two blokes met as <laughs> teenagers, <laughs> bonding over a shared love of blue oyster cult. Oh my god, why right. does that always comes into play? Also, yeah. Minutemen, which is very different genre, but kind of same time. Like, they're more punk influenced. They're more in, like, punk scene. Mm-hmm. Blue Eyes Circle, yeah. huge influence. Love them. So random. Don't fear the reaper. Do you you kind of hear that, that in their music. Yeah, though, for sure. so true. Well, sorry, I got excited. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Starts breaking stuff. <laughs> yeah! Okay. Um, they originally formed a mod-influenced band called Graduate. Um, which okay. split in 1981. It wasn't very successful. Oh. And then they were like, let's do something different. And they were inspired by the popular synth-pop artists like Gary Newman and Depeche yeah, Mode. Yes. And so they started to take a more electronic route and started Tears for Fears. And they branded themselves as a duo, but they did have like backing musicians, obviously. Nice. So the band name, you may be wondering... Always. What does that mean? Why is it called Tears for Fears? Because what a cool band name. I think that's really the is coolest cool. band name. Yeah, it's Tears so cool. for Fears is sick. The band name is inspired by Primal Therapy, which was developed by the American psychologist Arthur Arthur Yanoff, who okay. famously treated John Lennon in 1970. Oh. And Primal Therapy basically argues that neurosis is caused by the repressed pain of childhood trauma. <gasps> so it actually seems kind of similar to EDMR, where the whole oh. point of it is that EDM, e- EMDR. EMDR, yeah. Is that the whole point of it is where you like relive traumatic events from your past yeah. and the present and like cry about it in order to like process them it's sort wow. of it's not emdr but it's like but it's very similar yeah, yeah. similar um in his 1980 book 
1980 book Prisoners of Pain, Unlocking the Power of the Mind to End Suffering, he claimed tears as a replacement for fears. So, like, crying mm. instead of, like, being afraid and holding back your Yes, slay! And this really resonated with Smith and Orz- oh my God. Orzabel. Oh, They're so they had, in touch with their emotional no, side. For real, they were. <laughs> so, they were very inspired by the psychology and because they both had, like, unhappy childhoods. Yeah. Mm. And so they basically like took that on and many of their songs directly or indirectly reference primal therapy because they were in that shit they were involved do you think they did they have primal therapy like did they go through it you know i think i don't think they ever actually went through it but they were like really wanted to do it and then i'll tell you this fact they met they eventually met yanov like once they'd become famous yeah in the mid 80s but they were disillusioned to find him quite hollywood because he wanted them to write a musical for him based on like his whole theories and stuff. <laughs> and they were like, dude, no. What the fuck? Like, oh, that's no. like sad. It's like when you like put someone on like a pedestal, like a celebrity or something, and then you meet them and you're like, exactly. You suck, actually. I know. And then I watch interviews with them now and they don't follow that theory anymore. Yeah, but they, it just, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, how, how old were they when they started? Like, like 20. Yeah, super exactly. Young. You're so young and you're like, what are you And they just wanted to like, about? like, it is a sound theory. It like makes sense. Yeah. But they wanted to like, I think they talked. They talked about how like it, it was a way to like blame their parents when they were feeling like really angsty mm, for their issues. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I believe in stupid shit all the time. So yeah, you know, fair enough. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. So Smith is the co-lead vocalist and bassist. Orzabel's the guitarist and the other vocalist, and also he writes most of their songs. And then they have the keyboardist and composer Ian Stanley and drummer Manny Elias. Um, but they would later like switch around. But all you need to know is that Smith and Orzabel are the frontmen of the Y'all. band, the duo. The duo. So let's start with their first album. Yas. Okay, so they ref- they released their first single, "Suffer the Children," in 1981. Mm-hmm. Not a huge hit, kind of a hit. But they first achieved huge success with their third single, "Mad World." Mad World. Mm. Isn't that a cover? Um, another guy did it. The Donnie oh. Darko guy? That's a cover. Oh, he covered that. This is the OG one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a cover before, too. Anyways, I don't think so. whatever. I don't think so. Well, good for them. Yeah. Slay. It reached number three in the UK in 1982, and then the release of their first album, The Hurting, came out in 1982 as well. And nice. it's been claimed as a concept album about primal therapy and mm. the impact that trauma has like on your adulthood when you're a child. So this, what was his name? This psychiatrist, this Yanov. guy, Yanov. Yeah, he basically wanted to Mamma Mia their album <laughs> yes. to a musical about him. Yes, like shoddy. Like, huh? Imagine that though, because it's like such dark, angsty '80s music. Like, like imagine it, like all around me are familiar <laughs> and like, and they're like, there's like they're guys like snapping and dancing. Honestly, I would, I would see it. Yeah, I like, would see that. They honestly kind of missed out on that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> it would just it's be okay. so funny. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that album is very influenced by that psychology. Um, basically, it's like a way to throw out everything they absorbed in childhood, take those feelings of anger and resentment and abandonment, and turn it into something musical. Okay, so That slay. others could relate to. Wow, that's what you guys need to do with your trauma. Listen Exactly, up. a healthy way to deal Art. with your trauma. Um, another example, the hit song Pale Shelter is about the lack of love that both of them received in their childhoods. There was no yeah. love, only a pale shelter. Oh. It gets kind of depressing. Are they like abused? Like, geez, what happened to them? I don't know the details. I didn't read anything like that. It was hard to find things about their childhoods. Mm, they're pretty honestly. secretive. About yeah. 
private stuff. Private stuff. Private, private stuff. On the surface, yeah, the album is very like catchy, melodic, electronic pop. But yeah, the lyrics and messages were really angsty and deep. And for like 20 year olds, pretty intense stuff. Yeah, damn. So it also reached number one and went platinum in the UK. And it was ex- successful across the world too. And both guys were very outspoken about emotional issues, mental health, and gender imbalances. Wow. So they were woke. They were woke as fuck. These fellas were woke. <laughs> These fellas were woke. And like seemingly unproblematic. Like I'm not going to claim that completely because I don't yeah. know for sure, but they seem pretty like low key and unproblematic. That's how mine is too. Yeah. <sighs> In 1984, they released the song, the single Mother's Talk and Shout. 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 Let it all out. Yeah. They were very Depeche Mode inspired at the beginning. Like, oh, a yeah. lot of their early stuff sounds a lot like early Depeche true, Mode. True, true. Like, so much. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's interchangeable with, like, any early Depeche Mode song, I feel like. Yeah. Show. It's actually a protest <laughs> song. Like, encouraging people to get up and protest. Yeah, because um, England was, like, fucked during that time. Yeah. Just, like, 70s and 80s. Exactly. Um, and Shout really launched their international fame. Um, it was a top five UK hit, and it paved the way for their second album, Songs from the Big Chair, which was released <laughs> in 1985, which is also based on psychology. So the Big Chair, big chair okay. yeah, they love this shit. Um, it's inspired by the 1976 film Sybil, which follows a psychiatric patient who has multiple personality disorder. Mm. And the Big Chair was the chair in the psychologist's office where she felt like most safe. And, like, most comfortable talking about her traumatic childhood. Wow. So they really love psychology. Yeah, well, they did. Did you ever think about, like, if... Uh, okay, maybe I just, like, psychoanalyze, like, musicians too much. But I'm, like, you know, thinking about a band. And you think about an artist. And you're, like, what would they do if they weren't a musician? Like, what mm-hmm. would they possibly do, be doing? These guys, psychology blows. Honestly. <laughs> like, they would yeah. be, like... Yeah, they would be, like, a, your psychology professor. Or, uh-huh. Like, fucking, I don't know. Harvard and Yale. Harvard and you're like, what's the British one? Oxford. Oxford. Cambridge. Yeah. yeah. Cambridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um, this album had so many bangers that came to define the band. We got Shout. We got Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Ugh. Oh, wow. Head over heels. So many bangers. Wow, yes. And the album became one of the year's biggest sellers worldwide and eventually became certified triple platinum in the UK and quintuple platinum in the US. What does that mean? Quintuple. Quintuple. <laughs> I'm like, I've never seen that word written before. What? And I don't think I've ever said it. I've never said that. I've never yeah. heard that. Quintuple. I know. I was like really excited. Quintuple. So is that five? Yeah. Is that? Wow. Right? Quadruple, okay. quintuple. What is the sixth one? Six. Sextuple? Tuple? I don't think that's right. <laughs> Who is going to sextuple their album? Who's <laughs> <laughs> got the sextuple platinum album, guys? <laughs> okay. After its release, the band went on a world tour. On the way, they met the American singer, pianist Oletta Adams, who was performing in a Kansas City hotel bar (gasps) at the time. And they invited her to collaborate on their next album, which kind of launched her career. Although I've never heard of her, but... (laughs) Yeah, what? Launch her career. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She did perform with them, like, later. And then she had her own career, but... Good for her. She did, like, jazzy kind of stuff. Okay. Towards the end of the year, they released a video collection documentary called Scenes from the Big Chair, and they won Best Single Award at the Brits for Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Wow. Oh, and fun fact, the Band-Aid single, Do They Know It's Christmas, Oh yeah. sampled their song, The Hurting. Oh, wow. Yeah, the drums. Wow, they got everyone on there, man. I know. Everyone they could fucking do. into there. They- <laughs> I love that video. I rewatched it's it. Christmas time. 
Adam. George with his dangling. Oh, we should watch the Wham documentary. Let's do that tonight. Or okay. Wait. <laughs> let's get serious yes okay back to it um album number three is called the seeds of love it was released mm-hmm. in 1989 and it shared the band's signature style but with more influences of jazz and blues and the beatles too because wow. their most famous singles from this album were um sowing the seeds of love which I've, i had never heard before never but heard them. hella beatlesy really oh yeah like very like sergeant peppers okay, okay i was like wow okay this is this is different <laughs> this is Fun. And then they have Woman in Chains, which is like their most famous like feminist anthem. Yes. And it featured Bill Col- Phil Collins. Bill. <laughs> Billy. Bill. Billy Collins. It featured Phil Collins on the drums. Oh, Slate. I know. And Oleta Adams doing backup. Okay, Slate. So Slate. And apparently it was another huge success. And they went on another world tour. And in total, tour. all three of those albums from their peak in the 80s sold a reported 30 million copies. Jeez. But then, disaster struck. As it does in a band. Always. Inevitably. When you get a bunch of musicians, it's, yeah, recipe for disaster. Yep. So in 1991, the pair had a big falling out and Smith left the band. Reportedly, this is because Orzabel was like very perfectionist about things mm-hmm. and Smith wanted to kind of slow things down. Yeah. And also I think he like traveled a lot and Orzabel was like, we need to work. And Smith was like, I want to not work. <laughs> I want to not work. I want to sleep. I want to travel. I want to travel, dude. I, I want to hang out with my bros. <laughs> Let me enjoy my riches, dude. Okay. Um, yeah, what? They, they, like, they blew up. They like have a ton of money. Yeah. Like, calm down. Chill. You no, have they your didn't whole need fucking life. Exactly. Yeah. So they had, and that there's probably details that I don't know about at all, but they had a big fight. And Jeez. Smith left the band. Orzabel kept producing music under the Tears for Fears name, releasing two more albums. I hate when a when a musician does that. Yeah, just do a solo do your album. Own sh- I mean, he did you eventually. Idiot. Yeah, like it's so annoying. Like, oh, it's just you now. No, because no one's gonna. Look- I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know. know. It's just not the same, especially if you are a duo or like. I know. I don't you can't know. have one without the It just other. feels weird. Like, yeah. just do it on your own. I don't know. He did eventually do that, but at first, yeah, he released two more albums under the name, and then they didn't speak for nine years at all oh my god then in 2000 they started speaking again performing again and they made the 2004 album everybody loves a happy ending but it was not a success at all like and that. it was not know. a happy ending for no them. <laughs> like, nobody cared um but they toured anyway singing lots of covers of new songs and then the 2001 movie donnie darko revived yes. interest in the band because it features a cover of mad world by okay. gary jules and michael yes. andrews which is like almost as popular or even more yeah, popular than the original. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I love Donnie Dark. I can't wait for I love I was about to say I was again my fall playlist. Like, oh my god, we have I'm to watch oh, it. Now. Of course, every fall. Uh, I have a whole I have a whole list of fall movies, fall activities, fall things to do, fall guys. Eat fall, food. we're gonna pop off on this fucking podcast. Oh, it's okay? gonna be all fall. Themed. Oh, it's gonna be spooky. spooky. It's gonna be creepy. It's gonna be creepy. <laughs> it's gonna be comfy. <laughs> comfy, cozy, comfy, cozy, creepy, cool. <laughs> Oh god. Okay. okay, back on track. Also, Head Over Heels plays in it. Have you that amazing scene? It's like a montage of like all the kids jumping off the oh, bus and yeah. going to school and they have yeah. head over heels. It's I so love that. Good. Oh. That whole fucking movie. I, I love that movie. <laughs> Makes me cry. It's um, so good. It's so good. They also co-headlined a tour with Hall and Oates, which I was like, fine, but love Hall, Hall and Oates. I was supposed to see them fears. two different times. My sister, and my brother, and I were like, that let's go to so Hall and Oates. Cool. One time we had to go to a fucking wedding. Thanks, Uncle Jim. And then, <laughs> my, and we're like, Mom, what if we li- what if we leave early? And she was like, No, you have to go to the wedding. And we were like, But Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates, Mom. 
And then another time I think I was out of town or something when they came to uh-huh. rip to us. Dude, imagine seeing Hollow Notes and Tears for Fears. I'd simply die. My what, What's collapse. another like good lineup? My dad's seen like a bunch of bands like that where it's like like a stellar like stacked bill and you're <sighs> like, dude, what? That's I think he saw like STP and like Soundgarden or something. Damn. Like what the fuck? Damn. Anyways. Anyways. Um, some side things they did on their own, which I think are just kind of funny. <laughs> Smith dabbled in acting. Most notably, he was in the show Psych. You ever watch Psych? Mm-mm. I used to watch it when I was a kid. He's in like a few episodes of that. That's really random. I know. <laughs> and Orzabel wrote a rom-com. Oh my god! <laughs> Slay. And then they continued to... He's like the perfect man. <laughs> He's great. Like, okay, no, really. feminist icon. I know. Like, what? They're, in they're touch amazing. with his emotions? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, they continued to tour semi-regularly through the 2010s, and then their latest album, The Tipping Point, was released in 2022. Damn. And it's largely written about Orzabella's wife's death, who was his high school sweetheart. Okay. So what? it's sad. I need to find me a, a new wave synth man. <laughs> you d- yeah. Because something about them and how oh, they yeah. treat women. Because oh, I'm going to get into <gasps> mine. Honestly. High school sweethearts. Because they're, like, in the touch with their emotions. I don't know. Um, like angsty and emo, but like in a good way. In a good way, not in a skater boy way. Not in a skater, not in like a like a cringy way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. Yeah. Anyways. So it became their sixth album to be in the UK top five and their highest chart peak in thirty years. Wow. And they're currently touring this album as we speak. So they are working. That's crazy. Working, like working. last year, they released, released an album. a whole new album. I know it's crazy. Good for them. Um. Let's get into their legacy. Yeah. So they received countless awards and nominations over the years. And in 2021, they were honored with the Ivor Novello Award for Outstanding Song Collection. Wow. Which I have to agree with. What a great, what a <laughs> what great song outstanding collection. <laughs> song is. collection. Guys, so many bops. <laughs> um, they're a major influence in the new wave, like second British invasion, pop rock mm-hmm. genre. And let's be real. Everybody rules the world is, like, for me at least, one of the most defining songs of the 80s. Oh, yeah. Like, I oh, yeah. love Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Like, and, and I feel like our generation really loves that song. Like, that, yeah. that song has stand, stood the test of time. It's, it's had a resurgent recently. Because mm-hmm. I, I bet, like, a lot of younger people are going to their shows and stuff, too, because, yeah. like, we're listening to it and that kind of stuff. Which exactly. Is, yeah. It's such a good 80s song. Second like, Yeah. Oh, <laughs> girl, stay in your range. <laughs> We're trying to harmonize right now. <laughs> you, you know I can't actually sing. Hey, we try our best. Too. Okay, okay. Also, modern artists like Lord, the 1975 Kanye West, and The Weeknd cite Tears for Fears as an influence. Every like Lord in 1975, that makes that sense. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of like those new wave 80s bands influenced artists today oh yeah i mean there's just like a resurgence in 80s music right now like mm-hmm. even thinking of like the weekends like blinding lights mm-hmm. so 80s yeah Love that yeah song. there's a lot of that um and that's pretty much it i have fuck mary kill but we'll do that later okay fine that's too, that's oh, that was nice and i got to learn more about i know right those lads those blokes those blokes wow that's stuff i like never knew i never same would have thought to look into like tears for fears same. and like learn about it was that. fascinating Fascinating. Yes. Okay. Very good. Your turn. 
Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah! Okay. The story of the cure begins with Robert Smith, born April 21st, very close to my B-Day, 1959. He's a Taurus. Ah! A Taurus king. Um, And Lowell Hurst, his full name is Lawrence um, Tolhurst. He was born February 3rd, 1959, and he's an Aquarius. Hmm. Little, I little, like Aquarius. I love an Aquarius Taurus duo. I didn't say I what mine were. Duo. We can go back and. I don't even know. Okay, Kurt Smith is a Cancer. Um, Robert Orzabel is a Leo. Oh, interesting. 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 Okay, go Anyways, ahead. these two blokes met because Robert's parents lived next door to Lowell's grandmother, and the two would ride the bus to school together every day. Oh. And they have a very interesting friendship there was like one i like read this excerpt from a book and it talked about how like lowell was like those are the best years of my life i remember robert holding my hand onto the bus and then robert smith is like yeah robert smith is like uh yeah i didn't really think much of that guy but like he was always around like we were friends like everyone just shits on lowell like his whole like life like they just shit on him the whole time it's just the cure way they're like lowell yeah fuck that guy (laughs) like i don't yeah he was just some like little fucking kid who followed me around yeah pretty much um so yeah they attended notre dame a catholic middle school in crawley west sussex so they didn't live in west in crawley um but they were like pretty close like i think it was like a 20 minute bus ride like from where they lived to crawley hmm. um and it was like a very working middle class you know place like they both had like pretty good upbringings um robert smith's parents were like very open they like lived in a very musical house he had like him and his sister both like played piano and they just like listened to a bunch of music like there's a very different feel between like musicians who were raised by musicians and then musicians who were like raised in like a musical household yeah. you know what i mean but they was just like good upbringing, just very middle class. So that's that. At school, they met Michael Dempsey, who was born November 29th, 1958, a Sagittarius. Um, and from the jump, Robert Smith was like very counterculture. He would wear like dresses and makeup to school and stuff. And like this is a Catholic school. Yeah, and wow. like he would, so he'd wear, one time he wore a dress and he didn't even get in trouble for it. But that he did get like fucking beat up got the shit beat out of <laughs> yeah. him like on his way home yeah, but um then anyway he wore he tried to push it a little further and wore makeup and then he did get in trouble for that so oh. but that's pretty liberal to not for like a catholic school to I'm not i'm surprised they didn't trouble. even have like uniforms i know what i don't know what's going on wow. anyways uh he was really inspired by bowie from a young age because he would watch um top of the pops is like a live music performance show um in the uk mm. so he saw bowie on there and that like from that moment he was like i want to be a musician so he got an electric guitar and just like learned to play it which is kind of sick inspired the masses he did he literally did. velvet underground bowie yeah those are like big ones yeah for like at least like you know indie type music mm-hmm. huge yeah huge huge huge, huge. big time big, big time, time. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so now at this point, um, Robert, Michael, and Lowell are all in high school. Um, and they meet Mark Sekigno. I don't know how to pronounce this. Um, <laughs> they started playing music together. Um, and Lowell would just kind of like hang around as they would like play music together. And then one day he was like, can I play the drums? And they were like, yeah, I guess you can play the drums. So Aww. then Lowell was in the band. He was like everybody's little brother. Yeah, I know. He's just like around. Um, but they called themselves Obelisk. And that was, like, their oh. first little band. Interesting. Um, side note, uh, at this time, Robert Smith starts dating Mary Poole. They're 14 years old, mm. and they're still together <gasps> to this day. 
when we were I, I recently saw a video like for, on this leg of the tour of their tour that they're on mm-hmm. um there's a video of him like serenading her to plain song as she was like on the side of the stage Aww. i literally cried <laughs> Dude, <laughs> literally watched crazy. that and cried to this day 14 and I, I can think, imagine dating someone at 14 to begin with. I know. And, and staying together. I think, like, people speculate about them having, like, an open relationship between days. Kind of, like, hints at that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, maybe. This is speculation. Okay. But there was something going on at that point. But they're still together to this day. So. That's the remarkable. Fuck? Yeah. Wow. And also on that note, um, another, well, here, I'll say this first. So Mark leaves the band. And Lowell meets Porl Thompson, who is, like, their guitar hero of their town. Like, he just, like, slays. Um, <laughs> he was born November 8th, 1957, as Scorpio. So Lowell was dating Thompson's sister at the time. And side note, this also relates to that, Porl was dating Robert's sister, Janet. And guess what? They're still married to this day. And they had started dating at, like, 14? Yeah, too? they were, like, 14, 15. What's up with these blokes and their 14 That's what I'm saying! <laughs> Literally, like, high school sweethearts, and then they're fucking still married. Oh, That's, sorry. like, middle school sweetheart. No, you're well, 15 when you enter. I guess um, you're right. Yeah. Your freshman year of high school. Still. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine. That's I know. crazy. Wow. I need me a new, new wave. Richard Blade needs to come on. Hey, you listen to Sirius XM Radio? No. Okay. We <laughs> <laughs> used to joke I went through a huge phase and, like, early high school like middle school where i loved new wave music like i was like really into it i mean i've always loved the smiths since i was a kid but i like yes. really got into new wave music and i would always listen we had sirius xm and there was a channel called um what was it called first wave and it was hosted oh. by richard blade and we always joke about how richard blade was like my soulmate and he's like probably like a 60 year old man like on the radio and i'm like richard blade oh Anyways. that's cool that you had like a channel just for new wave yeah it's like yeah, there's, like, a bunch on Sirius XM that's just, like... Wow. Yeah, it's cool. Slay. Um, but, yeah, first wave with Richard Blade. Um, the boys formed a band called Malice. So, at this time, it's Porl, Smith, Lowell, and Dempsey. Mm-hmm. And then they get Martin Creasy on vocals because they still, at this time, like, don't have, like, a set vocalist. I think Mark did them before. Um, and Martin apparently was, like, their local journalist, like, reporter guy. And they mm-hmm. just, like, recruited him for fun i guess i got another like we don't have a singer like like they didn't think like one of us could sing they were just like no let's get this fucking random Random. reporter guy that's cool anyways so by the time of the band's first gig um at the high school robert had already written a night like this which wasn't released until head on the door so like he was writing out the bangers from day one a night like this that's an amazing song banger i'm coming to find you if it takes me all night Anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Creasy left Malice in 1976, of course, because he was just fucking popping in for fun, I guess. Um, and the band renamed themselves to Easy Cure after a song that Lowell wrote. So everyone's yeah. shitting on Lowell, but he honestly he wrote a lot of the lyrics, like uh, contributed yeah. a large amount to lyrics. And their name came from Lowell. It was Easy Cure. It started as Easy Cure. That's kind of weird. I know. Doesn't have the same ring. No. Easy Cure. It's Easy Cure. Yeah, no, no. So after winning a local talent competition, Easy Cure, like, did a bunch of demos, and then they just sent them out to, like, random labels, um, and it ended up in the hands of Ariola Hansa, which is a German label, and they signed them in 1977. Wow. Isn't that crazy how the music industry worked? They were just like, here's our demos, and then they were like, oh, you guys are cool and young. Okay, like, we'll sign you. So many things were, like, way easier back then. (laughs) Easier and just, like, what, like, Robert Smith didn't have a job never he never had a job yeah like the rest of them had day jobs and stuff robert smith just never worked he hated work he never worked and then just and they eventually 
with yeah eventually yeah. like music was his full-time career right probably by the time he was like 20 that's crazy yeah damn fucking insane um so the band was still looking for a new vocalist at this point they auditioned a bunch of people before smith just assumed the role so he wasn't even meant to be but Come on, what is the what is the cure without Robert Smith? I mean, nothing. Our boy Bobby Smith. Bob Smith. So then the lineup was Smith, Dempsey, Tom Thompson, and Lowell, of course. Um, their label dropped them in March of 1978 when the band would not comply to drop the release of their song "Killing of an Arab," which isn't on any streaming because mm-hmm. probably still because of the controversy surrounding the song's lyrical content. Like, obviously, it sounds like very racist by the name, but it's actually based off Camus. The Stranger. Oh. It's basically just ba- based off the plot of The Stranger, which, like, oh. I guess you can argue that The Stranger is, like, kind of racist in nature, but it's also, like, coincidental that he kills an Arab person, right? right? You know, like, he's just a random guy. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Interesting. But, um... They were just so connected They were, like, literature. literature. Nobody understood. How hot is that, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, he... Smith has, like, talked later on that, like, he does regret titling that, but, like, he was, like, that title 18 and had just, like, read... The sure. stranger and was like, okay, this is cool. I'm gonna call it this. Right. That makes you know sense. what I mean? Like he didn't like mean anything of it, but yeah, now it's like not on streaming or anything. I don't. They, I don't know if they don't have the rights to it or something happened, but it's just not it. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Which it kind of bangs too, so that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. But anyways, um, so Poral left the band soon after that just because he was kind of getting more experimental with his guitar style, and Robert Smith just didn't think that that fit with kind of their stripped down nature because mm-hmm. at this point they were kind of still more of like a poppy group yeah um so smith renamed the band the cure and they went into the stew they laid down some tracks and got some more demos ready because they were, didn't have a label anymore so they're trying to find someone to put out their next album yeah. and they meet chris perry at polydor records who just started a new label called fiction and he signs them and releases killing of an arab in 1978 as their debut single yeah so chris perry good for him <laughs> yeah yeah chris perry in 1979 they released their debut album three imaginary boys um and smith has spoken on record that he doesn't like this album very much because of the band's inexperience um like because of their inexperience they didn't get a lot of like say on the recording and engineering process so he doesn't like how it sounds but like boys don't cry yeah. and all of that like this is good Come songs on. um fire and cairo uh. Bangers. Jumping someone else's train. Like, there was lots of good songs off that album, but they don't, yeah, they don't fuck with it, apparently. But, like, first albums, I feel like that's a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. That's how, like, to completely change the band type, that's how One Direction is. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. It's the same thing where they, like, didn't have much control. Yeah, they're like, we don't know. They're just, like, in there, like, oh, someone's, like, doing our stuff. So, like, Chris Perry had all these engineers and producers coming in and just basically do it for them. And, like, I think Robert Smith is the kind of person who's, like, <laughs> me psychoanalyzing him. But he's, like, very, like, wants control over what's going on and, like, I in his music, that. you know? So, yeah, which, like, a lot that. of musicians are like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so he just didn't like that it wasn't fully his, I think. Yeah. Um, they opened for Wire that same year, and that had a huge effect on them. Um, Wire's another one of those bands. They're, they're a lot like the Velvet Underground, I guess a little bit later, but they've inspired, like, tons of punk artists, and they don't get any credit for that. I've never even heard of them. Oh. Listen to Wire, they're good. Anyways, yeah, Wire and like television, they both had like they're very similar and they had like huge effects on just like whole punk scene in the seventies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had a really huge effect on the band and they decided to take their music to a darker and edgier place because of that. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so the Cure then joins Susie and the Banshees on tour around parts of Europe. And at this time, Susie and the Banshees and like the goth like genre was kind of popping off. And so yes. they just kind of like weaseled into that. And Smith actually stepped up as a guitarist for the Banshees when theirs quit during the tour. So each oh. night he was playing both sets <gasps> back to back. That's crazy. That's exhausting. Yeah, and they also had a huge impact on him. And in an Enemy article from 1979, he says about Susie, someone like Susie really lives the part and is full command of the situation. He says with undisguised admiration. And it works to her benefit. She's got her image honed off to such a point that it wouldn't matter what three musicians she had behind her. They'd still be Susie and the Banshees to her fans. So he was like, they were besties. And like she she had a huge, yeah, she slays. And like definitely this is like the time like, where Robert starts wearing, like, the dark makeup and, like, you know, smudgy makeup Getting and, like, gosh. lipstick. He gets, like, way more goth just because of Wire and Susie the Banshee. The original scene kid. Yeah, he was. In the 80s. Definitely. So, in the fall of 1979, Dempsey quits the band and Simon Gallup replaces him on bass. And they get, like, a new keyboardist. I'm like, there's so many... There's so many changes I don't in get band. into the changes. There's the, so many. Well, like, the, the background? That's why it was so hard on, like, oh, there's too many. But, yeah, yeah. then... Most most of the time they have like random keyboardists like coming in and out, and mm. unless they're like of notable, I don't know Stature. status. Yeah, I'm not gonna like say yeah. who it is. I don't yeah. know. So their second album, Seventeen Seconds, was released in 1980, and this is Smith steps in as a co-producer um, on this one. So it's definitely more like their sound and vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, a Forest was the single off of that one, and it became the band's first successful single in the UK, reaching number 31 on the charts. And the band stepped into that much more atmospheric, dark, gothy mm. sound um, and kind of took a departure from their pop-oriented sounds in Three Imaginary Bliss. So, Slay. Yep. The band then went on to do a world tour. They gained a lot of popularity in the States. Basically, their keyboardist left again and was kind of just quoted saying that, like, he wasn't liking where the music was going. It was a little too dark for him. All the stuff, which kind of comes into play later. They can't hold down a keyboardist for They can't God hold down sake. anyone. Guys, if you're not gonna ride the cure wave, then then get get off, get off the the stage. (laughs) Get off, get out, get get away, (laughs) get away. The band persisted though without their keyboardist, and they released their third album, Faith, in 1981. The album reached number 14 on the UK charts. and in the book Never Enough, The Story of the Cure by Jeff Apter, I, like, pulled a lot from his book. This has, like, a bunch of stuff in it. It says that at one point in the band, like, at this point, Smith would be so enmeshed in, like, the image and, like, you know, that darker side of the music that he was personifying on stage that he would leave the stage in tears on some nights. Wow. Yeah, so he was getting real into it and it was having a huge effect on his mental health. The goth went a little too far. <laughs> the goth really got him, bro. The, the goth entered his bloodstream. <laughs> When the goth enters your bloodstream. (laughs) But for real. So in 1982, the band releases pornography and Smith reported... (laughs) They released pornography. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a break from music and just do porn. (laughs) The album, pornography. Everybody's dying to see goth British porn. I mean, they were kind of hot at the time. Let me see what he looked like as a young man. Like, sometimes I'm like, maybe it's just because he's Robert Smith. Like, I don't know. Any musician, I'm yeah. I'm on board. Anyways, mm-hmm. let's stop talking about how hot these... I mean, yeah. it needs to be noted. We note that in we almost to- anything we talk about a man, we're like, <laughs> he's kind of hot, by the way. As if that's, like, important to the subject at all. Also, he's kind of hot. <laughs> 
<laughs> we say that about everyone though like <laughs> famous people are just hot okay yeah let's be real i mean seriously yeah okay anyways pornography was released and at this time he also like i said he's his mental health is just kind of going down the shithole the band is getting real nihilistic at this point things mm-hmm. are looking grim they go on tour and Gallup ended up leaving after after he got into a bar fight with smith Ooh. um i don't know what that was about but they didn't talk for like several months mm-hmm. like i think over a year so after this point, Smith just kind of like hits rock bottom and is just kind of done with the band for a while. So he takes some time off from The Cure and he rejoins Susie and the band. She's as an official member and records their album Hyena with them. And then he leaves in June of 1984 and returns back to The Cure because he wants to put all his focus back. Because he's just, he can't just be a band member. Like he has to lead a yeah. band. Like he is someone who needs to he's lead a band. He's got the star quality. He's got it. So yeah. some people are just like that. And he just mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, I think he loved being in Susie the Banshees, but like the cure is his thing and he needed yeah. to do that. So glad he did. That could have been the end of the cure. Dude, A lot imagine. of people in the press, like people were like, what's going on? Because they got a lot of buzz and like, you know, yeah. the enemy and like Melody Maker and stuff. And everyone was just kind of like, oh, like they're kind of on a hiatus. What's going on? Are they done? Yeah. But they came back. And, and the cat. Thankfully, came they back. did. The cure oh, came back. Ah! Kicking you. I'm sorry. You bonked my bare toes. Why are your toes out? Ah! Me. Ah! Me. Tickle, tickle. <laughs> you fucking crackhead. <laughs> Ew. Okay, go ahead. After input from their label, the band decided to change course musically, um, so, you know, from their darker side, and they decided to get back on some more fun lighthearted stuff yeah so their next single let's go to bed came out in 90, 1982 followed by the walk and love cats which became the band's first top 10 in the uk reaching number seven on the singles chart hey. love cats hey, hey. yeah so in 1984 they released the top which took more of a psychedelic approach um and smith played like most of the instruments on that so that's really like his like his art <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know that that album's kind of it's interesting. It definitely mm. doesn't sound like The Cure. Like, there's parts where I'm like, yeah. this is weird. There was a lot of, like, world music influence on it and stuff. And mm. I don't know. It's, like, cool, I guess, but definitely different. But surprisingly, it was their first album to crack the U.S. Billboard 200 and topped at, well, landed on the charts at number 180. So, like, barely got through. But, like, what a weird album to have done that. Like, yeah, I think they were just getting so much, like, attention at that point that then people started to take an interest interest so when this album came out they just listened and then topped the charts so this is the first one that kind of got big in the u.s yeah which is like at least got into the billboard 200 which is like something you know yeah um the band went on tour yet again and the lineup changes once again now andy anderson is on bass for the tour but they kick him out because he destroyed a hotel room while they were on tour and robert smith was like i have mate and kicks him out (laughs) Get out. I have it, mate. You need to be respectful of this hotel. Of this hotel. Of this, this establishment. establishment. Wait, what just <laughs> Of this establishment. <laughs> that is fucked up. Why would you destroy a hotel room? What's the point? I don't know. I think he was just like a crazy you need to lad. Go to one of those, you just... know those like rooms where you go and you just like break things? They have rooms for oh, I want to do that. Yeah. All right. So he was replaced by Boris Williams, who previously played in the Thompson Twins. So <gasps> that's like a notable. Oh, I just put that because like T for wrecking the hotel room and also... Hold me now. That song is so like Halloween to me. Really? That's like summer 80s. That's on my summer 80s playlist. I like it in the fall. And you know the other one I like in the fall? This one is much more folly. Tainted Love. Oh. They played that when I was swimming at the pool yesterday. They played the bops when I was at DU pool. Whoever was at the DU pool playing music, like this, the diving instructor instructor or whatever. 
cool. they played Tainted Love. They played The Cure. Uh, I it was so weird because I was doing my research yesterday and then I, like was <gasps> swimming and I was like, oh my fucking god, Divine they're playing Providence. like literally they, they yeah. were playing love song and I was like, hey. yes. Anyways, so the bassist left and then Simon Gallup returns after he reconciles with Smith. I don't know what kind of. I don't know what happened with them. They got into a bar fight. They didn't talk. Now he's back. So good for them for working through their issues. And Pearl also just decides to rejoin for whatever reason. I don't know where he was off off having kids or something with his high school sweetheart. But now he's back. So uh, I don't even know. As of 1985, the lineup with Smith, Tolhurst, Gallup, Williams, and Thompson. Yeah. There you go. The boys are back. The boys are back. So it was basically just Smith and Lowell who were the two like original members Lowell that are left so loyal i know been there since day one and where's his recognition huh literally uh-huh, huh? he's just kind of like the the butt of just like ev- the butt the brunt of every joke he's, <laughs> he's just kind of he's the, the butt. <laughs> he's like like if the cure was a body like he's the butt. <laughs> that's true though <laughs> okay with this new lineup they release my second favorite cure album of all time 1985 Head on the door. Yes. The album Bobs. Love it. Um, It reached number seven in the UK and number 59 on the US chart. So they're slowly making their way up. Um, In Between Days and Close to Me were the singles on that. And that really drove up the sales for the album. Wait, so In Between Days hints at like him. And I know I was wrong when I said it was true. That it couldn't be me and be her in between without you. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm, like, piecing together a puzzle. But I thought I was wrong when it couldn't be true. Wait. I can't say it without singing it. <laughs> that it he couldn't just be like me and be her in between without you. So there's some there's third something player. Going on. <laughs> Who is there's this third, third player? player? <laughs> Isn't that a little saucy? Though? Yeah, like, interesting. Okay. You said it sounded just like me? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, wait, we can't we can't go past that. Just <laughs> wait, I need to like I need to take that recognition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the point. I always forget about this album, but I don't know. For some reason, every time there's a band like this like putting out the music, they're Maybe like putting out a they, they get to a point where they're like, Why don't we just do a double album? And then everyone's like, Yeah. So that's what they do. In nineteen in nineteen seventy eight, wow, nineteen eighty seven, they released Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, which everyone kinda shat on this album, but like I like it. I'm not going to lie. It's okay. a good album. I got it on CD in my oh, car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but they did reach number six in the UK and number 35 in the US for this. Um, Just Like Heaven's on there. And that uh, became the band's most successful single in the US to date. Is Catch on there too? Or is that on a different one? I think it is on that one, yeah. Oh, I love both those. Just Like Heaven is such a summary song for me. I, I was bopping to that last summer. It's so time. good. I just like. Just like that's Kevin. what's so good about them is they go through phases where they're like way more goth and like moody, which is a good vibe. And then they bring it to like a more pop oriented side. True. And it's like you get a good blend of everything. I wish they had played that at the freaking concert. I know. But they did play like they played a forest. They played pictures of love you. Song. They played love song. Yeah, they played some bops. They played a night like this. They did. Oh, yes. I was ready for. Boys don't cry. Yeah, the well, they they hate that album. They they don't yeah. think they ever like played that. I guess that. that makes sense. Yeah, they, that's not their vibe. <laughs> the band recruits another member, another keyboardist at this point, Roger O'Donnell, who used to be the keyboardist in the Psychedelic Furs, another oh, amazing new wave love band. Psychedelic oh, Furs. I love them. So good. I was gonna do them. I was thinking them or Devo if I didn't do the Cure, but yeah. I had to do the Cure. I had to take them. Got it. So other problems ensued at this time. 
especially because of Lowell's drinking, which became problematic, interfering with his ability to perform. Oh. Maybe if you guys treated him a little bit fucking better, he wouldn't be an alcoholic. Yeah. We're like Lowell's support team. <laughs> I right am. Now. I'm like a Lowell supporter. Like, I will defend him yeah. at every cost. My boy Lowell. What, is this spelled L-U-L-L? L-O-L. What the fuck? Like, yeah. Weird. He really is just a joke Lol. to them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, justice, justice for Lowell. Yeah, Lol. It's like justice LOL. for, I know. Justice for Lowell. That's what I'm saying. Lowell. <laughs> Lols. Lols, you can't see, but Julia's throwing up a peace sign. Lols. And I have this baby in a peace sign. Anyways, okay. 1989. <laughs> now, the best Cure album of all time is released, Disintegration. <laughs> oh, yes. This became their highest charting album to date, landing at number three in the UK and number 12 in the US. The album features singles, Lullaby, oh, mm, yeah, Love Song, uh, mm, and Pictures of You. Probably yeah. the top three Cure songs. I'm yeah. going to say it. I'm going to say it. Those yeah. are the best. Around this time, the other members became fed up with Lowell's behavior because of his drinking, and they gave Smith an ultimatum. They came to him, they said, buddy, my, my boy Bob, we got an issue on our hands. And they said, if you don't kick Lowell out, we're all leaving. So it's Ooh. either Lowell or the rest of your oh, band. Oh, fuck. And so Mr. Sticky Bobby had to make <laughs> he had to make a tough decision. Yeah. So Smith kicks out Lowell, and O'Donnell becomes an official member of the band, kind of like replacing him. And Ripple. now Mr. Bobby is the only remaining founding member oh, of the band. But <laughs> I don't think he cared that much to kick Lowell out. I think he was deep down sad. This is his friend and he has an issue. But Probably a smart thing to do though so we can like get his Yeah, it's like it's out. like well, who's that guy in the clash? Anyways, that guy that he kicked that they kicked out. Hmm. You know, he was like a drug addict and mm, if they didn't that. yeah, if they didn't kick him out, they wouldn't have been as successful as they were right. because they just would have kept running into problems. So exactly. sometimes it needs to be done. Yeah. But we'll get back to that later. It causes some some issues for them. Lol <laughs> Lol stir in the pot. Mm. Yeah. Lol gets his revenge. Okay. Not not really. <laughs> Lols gets his revenge. Um they go on another successful tour and that same year they perform just like Heaven at the MTV's video music awards oh, so they've say. like made it oh my god oh say <laughs> can you that. see oh can you see sorry god okay oh, here we go again o'donnell quits the band in 1990 christ and is replaced by another person who was like in their road crew doesn't matter that same year Lowell strikes again. <laughs> he files a lawsuit against Robert Smith and Fiction Records over royalty payments and claimed that the name The Cure was jointly owned by him and Smith since they were oh. the founding members of the band. Hmm. Um, the lawsuit ended, though, in 1994 in favor of Smith. So Lowell walks away with, once again, nothing. Nada. Um, without all that going on, the band still has time to go into the stew and record their ninth album, Wish. That's the other one. That's the 90s one that I get mixed up with. Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Mm. Um, they record that and release it in 1992. Hi and Friday I'm in Love were their international hits oh, off of that one. So good. And Wish reached number one in the UK and number two in the US. The album was also nominated mm. for a Grammy in 1993. Okay. So that one, that was like at the, the peak of their like career. Like they have had all this fame with all their other albums and now they're like, at their top and so that's kind of yeah i think friday i'm in love is my favorite cure song really ever it's a banger. well it's a banger it's, i don't know it's a good one but i also like because it's like it was covered by like yola tango and i love that cover oh yeah so yeah it's okay what does he say um i love that line in friday i'm in love where he's like i don't care no 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 <laughs> um such a treat to see you eat in the middle of the night why is that so beautiful 
Aww. That makes me want to cry. I love that. And you wake up and and you eat a snack and, and, and your boy's like, I love cute. to see you. What if you woke up, you know that one night I worked late and I woke and I ate like a full barbecue meal at like 10 30 p.m. I woke up. Oh, I'm like, what a treat to see you eat in the middle of the night, Julia. I would be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? I close my door, I go back to bed. I walk out, I'm like, what a treat to see you eat in the middle of the night. Could close the door. You're like gnawing on like some prime rib. Ripping off the rib with my bare teeth. Oh my god. All right. So their next album, Wild Mood Soons, was released in 1998. This was really poorly received, but Mint Carr is on there, and that one bops, I must say. Mm. Um, in 2000, the ba- band releases Blood Flowers, which is an amazing album, but doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Um, mm. Smith commented that he sees this album as a third installation in a trilogy, with the other pillars being the album's pornography and disintegration, which you can definitely mm. hear that like sonically. They have a lot of like similar motifs. And I stuff. love when they do that. I know. I'm like fun. It's all, like, so, like if you listen to them like back to back to back, it's like yeah, oh, that'd be oh. Yeah. Okay, the band leaves Fiction um, and signs to Geffen Records in 2003. I think just because they're like of such big fame now. I mean, Geffen is like, come on, they're iconic. And in 2004, they release their 12th album, which is their self-titled one. Um, O'Donnell is once again fired from the band in 2005, along with Bamonte and Smith. Just wanted the band to kind of just to be a trio again, so he kind of just is like, we these other guys, you know, we're done with this, we're done with this shit. Yeah, and he gets we got rid a of lot them. Of, like moving around with the members. Of yeah, the band. I know. So for a while, it was just him, Gallup, and Cooper, and they just kind of did their thing as a little trio. And then Pearl once again enters, re-enters the chat, and he's back again. Hmm. I think because Random. he's married to Robert Smith's sister, like they're just they stayed friends yeah. even during like there was no beef between them. They just like had different visions for like what they wanted the music to be i think mm-hmm. um but they like stayed close because they're like family they're brothers really family yeah brothers-in-law <laughs> and so he just kind of pops back in whenever the fuck he wants so okay. he's back so now it's four piece um 413 dream was released in 2008 that one was basically a commercial failure i've never even listened to it i don't even know mm-hmm. a single song off of that one sorry to say Yikes. um but aside from like live releases like live performance albums um, and anniversary reissues of their albums. Secure hasn't haven't released anything since that album in 2008. But as of recently, earlier this year, The Cure announced a 30-date North American leg of their tour and the band's first full U.S. tour since 2016. Smith spoke outwardly against Ticketmaster during this tour, setting base prices for tickets at $20 before fees, making it more accessible for people to go and also to dissuade scalpers, which is why Julia and I were we able to went, afford to go. We <laughs> yeah. went but it was but it was so lit. Like he was posting on Instagram and stuff about like how like he was like so against Ticketmaster like after the whole Taylor uh. Swift thing and all that and he was like, We want we don't want them to like basically take all your money and like scalpers yeah. selling tickets for like super expensive. So I'm setting it at twenty bucks. That's such a slay. Go for Honestly, it. all artists should start doing that. Because I know concerts are like so ridiculous. I like expensive. respected him so much for that. Yeah. I was like, thank you. I mean, we, like with fees and all that stuff, we paid like what forty bucks to go. Yeah, which not is bad like at all. not bad at no. all. No, I mean, some people are paying like hundreds of dollars for concert tickets, which is crazy. Yeah, like I, I understand if it's like in really high demand, I guess, but it doesn't. If you want to see an artist that you want to see, like this, prices shouldn't be so like exactly. extortionate. Like I will not pay over. There's there's two bands I'll pay like near a hundred dollars to see, that's Pavement and Twin Peaks, and I've already seen them both for yeah one for free, right. one for like probably thirty bucks or something at like yeah. the Gothic, but like if they did come again and it was like 
randomly hundred dollars. I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna yeah, exactly. The, but that's it. Everything else, I won't. I won't pay more than sixty bucks. Yeah, for a for an artist. If I could see Abba, <clears throat> I'd pay yeah, and, well over hundred bucks. And well over. They're weird. Like what is it? They're holograms. Holograms. <laughs> weird as fuck. But I don't so care. strange. <laughs> no, and, and like I get it with like streaming and stuff. Like artists aren't making money from that, and so like from yeah. sales, so they need to get money on tour. But it's like. It's not even helping the artist. It's not about the artist. It's about, you know, Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster. and Axis and all the, yeah. you know. They're just being, like, shitty mediums. Yeah, they are. Like, yeah. so much money is taken out with, like, the ticket sites. And then also you get the promoters and they take a huge cut. Mm. So, like, artists are left with, like, basically nothing. Especially after you get your manager's cut. You get royalty cuts for this, that, and whatever. And then they're left with, like, not a lot. So, that's so why touring's hard. Situation. Yeah, that's why touring, like, bands, it's so hard to tour because they – have no money in the first place. They go yeah. on tour, which is super expensive to tour, mm-hmm. and then they barely make a cut of the check from the shows that they even play. So Damn. the whole system is fucked up, and Robert Smith is our king for fighting Robert back. Smith is Because he's the charge. only... I don't see, like, anyone oh, yeah. out here talking about it. No, like, seriously. come on, guys. Yeah. Don't you, don't you care? It's just because it's, like, people like Taylor Swift who... It doesn't matter what she... she well, she's she, popping off. She oh. is making the money from this, yeah. so it doesn't matter to her. Exactly. But Anyways, that was long and belabored, but I hope you learned something about the cure. And yes. if anything, you know that Robert Smith is hot. <laughs> he's hot. He's, and he's been married to helping the True Love exists, guys. Tickets. Robert Smith and Mary Poole. Let yes. me just say. And he's making your concert tickets more affordable. Oh, he's so he's guys, just the best. Yes. Is he not? Wow. And just slays musically. Slays like the cure is away. I was gonna say the cure it really was like influential and one of the most like long standing bands of oh, that yeah. time of new Hella wave music. Long. They're the so heart true. of They're new the wave. Heart and soul, dude. Yeah, dude. So I still think my favorite my favorite band, I think still of all new wave bands is the Smiths. That's the one I, I mean, like yeah. the most music I listen to the most. I, I think now, like where I'm at now in my life, like I like The Cure the most. Yeah. But The Smiths were my favorite band. Like, probably my first favorite band. Wow. Well, uh, let me think. No, I mean, I love... Like, when I was a little kid, like, I I had favorite songs and stuff. You know, I loved, like, Weezer and Green Day and, like, whatever. Um, But then once I... I was probably about fifth or sixth grade. And when I found the Smiths, and I loved them, like they were my first band, I was like obsessed with. You were like in I, that emo dark gay I, shit, and you were like, eight I was years insufferable. Old. I literally was. I was reading like Stephen King and listening to the Smiths. Like that was my <laughs> life. Like, but they were the first band I like would read up on, and like I, I found them. Like my dad had like all their albums on like iTunes, and I'd put them all on my iPod Aww, and listen to them. They're so good. I love them. I only got into them like pretty recently but i love them yeah so yeah they're probably my favorite just like in my in my heart like they have the the closest place in my heart but yeah i definitely think the cure is like musically my favorite now yeah okay fuck mary kill yes i'm losing my mind no i'm about ready to die (laughs) i'm like really tired (laughs) anyways fuck mary kill okay mine is tears for fears based okay i was gonna do cure based perfect okay perfect and then we can do one big shebang yes Okay. okay fuck mary kill everybody wants to rule the world Head over heels, shout. Oh, Some of the these are all ones. very similar. They are. I could switch it up. I could do Mad World or Pale Shelter. Those are my three faves, though. Okay, I'm going to say Mary, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Head over Heels. I I'm love, gonna fuck Head over Heels. I love Head over Heels, and I'll have to kill Shout. So I agree great. with that. But like Shout, is, Shout is too Depeche Mode. I'm just gonna listen to Depeche Mode. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, I like Shout, but yeah, it doesn't compare to the other two. The other two are like oh, legendary. Head over Heels. 
It's just, and I think then I think of the Donnie Darko scene. It's, yes, oh, it's so good. Great, great song for walking around campus. Yeah, I wanted to be with you alone and talk about the weather. <laughs> Guys, I'm so sorry for all the singing. You knew what you were getting into with the music you knew, one. You, you know, if anyone wants us to join their bands, um, yeah. let us know. I got no musical talent. <laughs> Whatsoever, but I'm I can't to learn. sing. Um, I have no pitch at I, all. I can hit, I'm fully I can blind. Play, I'm fully <laughs> blind and deaf. But I can play the triangle. Wait, you didn't go. You didn't say yours. You weirdo. I said I agree with you. Oh, you fully. Say, You're gonna oh, do yeah. the exact same. Exactly. Okay, same. I was gonna do Cure album. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> you creep. <laughs> you creep. Um, Three Imaginary Boys. That has. That's the first one. The pink one. Okay. Disintegration. Now you're doing albums. Yeah, I'm doing albums. Or oh. Wish. Uh, if you need me to remind the song. Wish is the one with Friday on Friday, what, what does Disintegration have? Um, pictures Lullaby, Pictures of You, Love Song. Ooh. Three Imaginary Boys has Boys Don't Cry. Oh. Um, Jumping on Someone Else's Train, Fire in Cairo. Mm. It's a toughie. Um, I'm going to say Mary, Disintegration. Solid. Or maybe Fuck Disintegration. I'd actually have Fuck Disintegration. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fuck that one. <laughs> I would fuck that one. Because, I don't know, Wish seems more marriageable with, like, yeah. with like Friday in Love. It's, like, kind of cutesy. You're so right. It's kind of cutesy. You're so right. And they're, like, older at that point. Like, they're yeah. ready to settle down. Yes, whereas, like, Disintegration is more, like, intense and, like... And, like, okay. Broody, yeah. Spider-Man and then, comes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So sexual. Um, what was the other one? Three Imaginary Boys. I'd have to kill it. You, I I'm gonna do the don't sa- cry. I'm going to do the same thing that you did. We're the same. We're the same. All right, should we do a bit? What's about what about three bands we didn't talk about? Yeah, Smiths, Depeche Mode. What's another big? Mm. I'm trying to think. I feel like the Cure. New fits Order, into that, but New Order. Yeah. Oh my god, we didn't talk about them at all. Yeah. So I was gonna. I was also thinking about doing them. There's just so many. I know. Yeah, there really are, is a lot. It's yeah. Really okay. The Smiths, Depeche Mode, New Order. Oh, that's hard. I know. Oh god. I'm obviously gonna marry the Smiths. I think I have to marry the Smiths too. Yeah, they're just my they're favorite. my they're my jam. I would I would fuck Depeche Mode. I would just because they're more too. fuckable. Yeah. But I'd have to kill New Order. But I love I would marry all of them. They're all like they're, yeah. these are all bands that, like my dad really loves and like would really like I, I burnt my dad a CD for for his birthday one year and it had like all all three of these bands Aww. on there. Yeah, he like loves new wave mm-hmm. type music and like I mean most of the music I listen to is like what my dad listens to like what my dad got me into me too. but that's like huge is like yeah what your parents listen stuff. to has a huge influence on you I think about that because every day <laughs> like I literally that's yeah. like something I think about on a daily basis mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about that always thinking I yeah. think I'm gonna have to agree with you I love New Order but I'm just not I feel like I out of all three of those they're the ones I've listened to the least yeah I would love to cover them though their story is crazy because yeah. it's like because you'd have to cover Joy Division to then cover. New oh, Order. I love Joy Division because they. Would you count that as New Wave? No, I was kind of different. No, that was, I mean, because New Order came about because yeah. Ian Curtis committed suicide, and then the rest of the band formed <gasps> New. Did you not know that? No, that's how. Yeah, that's the lore. That's the lore. They created New Order. The I think the guitarist arose out of the ashes of Joy Division. Yes, Ian Curtis um, committed suicide, and then I think either the guitarist or the drummer, who is the lead in New Order, started. New Order just with the rest of the band. Dude, that's crazy. I know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. That would be cool to cover. That would be cool to cover. But um, I don't even know what we're saying. We, we are Oh, doing. the Door Division's more like 
in that kind of like punk yeah. era. Like I wouldn't say they're like, you know, yeah, they were kind of the start of like that goth and emo type stuff. But. Yeah, level tears apart. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I agree. We're on the same page then. Fuck yeah, Mary the Smiths. Fuck the Peshmo kill New Order. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry, I, order, we never want to kill any of these people. See, but now you, now you learned a little something new about New Order if you didn't know that little fun fact. Yeah, so. I certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I hope you guys fucking learned something because yeah. this took me a lot of research. You know, I was sitting, yeah. I was reading stuff. I was looking up archived enemy articles for this shit. So wow. you better sit down, sit your little tush down sit and pay your, your respects and listen and, listen and learn. And, and then go and the listen cure. to the cure and tears for fears and, tears for fears and, and all wave. of new wave maybe i'll link a little Great new wave genre. playlist that i have <gasps> it's been ongoing it's been ongoing for so long like this playlist is like probably 300 songs long so Damn. maybe i'll link it oh and that's God. all you oughta I oughta. You oughta. Why, I Why you oughta. Anyways, okay. guys, enjoy Bye. the rest of your week. Yeah. We'll be back next week. Back. I don't know what we're talking about yet. We'll figure it out. But it'll be fun. We'll be back. Okay. All right. Goodbye. Bye. See you next week.